The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is the jail visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates and the Six. It's still the Six? Was the Shiawassee Six? I don't know what the hell's going on now. I'm gonna break a few things down tonight. Talk about revelations. Because, you know, in 2023, certain things are looked upon differently than they were when I was growing up. I guess life's confusing, but we never stop learning. You know, one of the things I always pride myself on is being an amazing friend. And you learn when you pride yourself on that. People will intake that subjectively. I know there's some people out there that are saying things about me right now. People who I've been a good friend to. People that are really confused about my position on certain things. And that's fine. You know, everybody's got their own point of view. Everybody's entitled to believe what they want to believe. But, at the end of the day, in your heart of hearts, ask yourself, who really has everyone's best interest in mind? And who's working an agenda? I have nothing to gain from my points of view. And if people are offended because I don't take their side on an issue, because I'm trying to look at things objectively, they're entitled to that. But, guys, between my family, between my 382 cases, between countless trials, I'll make this real simple. I don't have time for drama-laced bullshit. And if that makes you not want to be cool with me, don't let the door hit in the ass. Anyway, tonight, I want to talk about when somebody lets their guard down. I want to talk about being something from an area you're not supposed to be. And who you could trust with those secrets. And it's amazing how socioeconomics... Hey, Kimberly how social economics could play such a big role in things, how our upbringing plays such a vital role in things. And I often wonder where we come from. Does it always play a role in who we are? Learned behavior is a demon. And we're all products of learned behavior one way or the other. But I start thinking about things and how our different stations in life can make us view things differently. And I start with something very simple tonight before I get into what I consider very deep tale. The movie The Warriors, The Warriors is one of the greatest films ever made. 1979 cult classic. And you know, I'm not going to get too deep into the film tonight. Some of you guys know the story. The warriors go to a summit. They're from Coney Island. 
All these major gangs and delegates are meeting at the summit and all hell breaks loose. And the warriors get blamed for a crime they didn't commit. And they're on a journey to get back home. And that kind of motivated this particular vlog, if you would. Because the first time I watched The Warriors, I was in fifth grade. It was on the Million Dollar Movie at midnight on a Saturday night. Watch it, Kimberly. It's an amazing film. And me and Mom are up watching the movie. And, you know, Mom had me real young. She was truly like a big sister, and Aunt Mare was like the mother. And me and Mom are watching this film. We're really into it. But, you know, I feel like it was two poor kids in the ghetto watching the best thing that was possibly on TV at that time of night with the few channels we had. We got lost in the film, and uh, we enjoyed it. And it's weird how a mother and son, brother and sister could just watch a film and enjoy it for the action and the interest and all that. But as you get older, as you get life experiences, how you view that film so much through a different lens. And I watched it again when I was in college. And many of you guys have heard me talk about Chuck McGeever. I know there'll be some jokes about that. But we did a thesis paper on the Warriors. And what Chuck was telling us in class was that the Warriors was a film about going through hell to get back home. To get back where you started. At this time in my life, I'm 20 years old. And we just bought the house in the suburbs. We left the ghetto of Willow Avenue. And we are living in the suburbs of Etner Heights. And um, in my paper, which I don't think Chuck appreciated, he wanted a personal spin on things. And to me, I understood what he was saying. The Warriors want to get back to Coney Island. Now, why did they want to get back to Coney Island? Safety, right? What up, Joe? But that wasn't my take on things. I feel if I was a member of the Warriors, I would have been taking a train to Pennsylvania or something to try to start new. Because what is really waiting for you back home? And that was the premise of my paper. I don't want to go back home. And I understand the whole theme, and it was Greek mythology, can you make your way back to where you started? But the question I had in college, as it pertained to the Warriors, was, can we just move on? And it was a very different perspective. And later in life, I'm working in the casino. And I'm not getting into law school. And that's really a frustrating time. Dyslexia is killing me. I don't know I have dyslexia. I can't get the number on the L set I need at this point in my life. 
I'm working crazy hours in the casino, and I'm working with the union, and I'm watching the Warriors with a group of casino friends. And these people, nice people, but they weren't deep, who I was watching the film with. And there were some very deep people in the casino, but this group was not deep. And they just enjoyed watching the film for all different gangs and the technology at the time. And I realized at that point, as I'm watching this classic film with people I liked, people I cared about, but I realized in some ways I made it back home. I got the hell out of here. And that led to law school. And the great thing about watching the Warriors in law school was that Cooley, for better and for worse, there were people from all different aspects of life. People from different states, different social economic statuses, different cultures, different races, different creeds. And it was interesting seeing their spin on the film. Some people, it meant everything from the past the bar where they came from. And that echoed Chuck McGeever's theory on the Warriors about making it back home. And some people didn't know how to take the film. Some people were just lost. And the film has a way, even the beginning, when the Wonder Wheel comes on and they play the eerie music, you know, there's something deep about it. As I'm watching it today, and I've been watching it a lot lately for some reason, it put me to sleep at night. After working 14, 15 hour days, taking care of my son, the dog, and then throwing the warriors on. I feel like maybe the agenda of the film was to make it home, but to make it home for a new environment. And I thought to myself, when Swan and the boys and Mercy, you know the story of Mercy, how she left the orphans, ends up with Swan. When they made it off the beach, and the Rips are about to kill the rogues, spoiler alert, and they're back in the sand and the Ferris wheels and the ocean, did they make it home... To a different environment. And I thought to myself, now in my mid-40s, maybe the point was to make it home, to make a change of where you came from. And maybe sometimes that change is impossible or not worth making. But I thought about this amazing movie about gangs in New York in the 1970s. And it drew me to the main premise of the story tonight. And I'm going to go back. Where I come from, Ducktown, Pitney Village, Atlantic City, 90s. It's a tough place. We were always in the top 10 of the most dangerous cities in the country. And if you're from Atlantic City, you kind of have an edge or you didn't survive. And some of our edges just come very differently. You know, to me, education was a way to escape. But there was something different about me. And I knew I was different from a very young age. And I knew if I survived the horrors of my youth, that difference would really have an impact. 
but you got to get through it. And people always had a way of talking to me. And this comes back to a situation I started with tonight. Let me be clear to friends, enemies, and whatever you are in between. If you tell me something in confidence, I am not going to break that confidence for my own benefit. I'm just not going to do it. Maybe that's Atlantic City ghetto loyalty. I don't know. But I learned at a very young age, people will tell me things they won't tell others. And that's why I always said I would go to jail before giving up my phone. Because on my phone, people actually feel comfortable revealing their deepest, darkest. And it comes back to the story tonight. Now, where I come from, there's a lot of gang violence. Tons of gang violence. And, you know, I think a lot of people join a gang not because they're tough, but because they're scared, or because it's generational. And I've studied the theories of gangs. Knowing so many people that were gang members, because their fathers were gang members, or their mothers were gang members. And back home, we had the Latin Kings. And I guess the Latin Kings was like an offset of MS-13, but in Atlantic City we had the Latin Kings. And that was a very dangerous Hispanic gang. We had the Pitney Lions. And the Pitney Lions were from Pitney Village. Black gang. They were tough. There was Maryland Avenue, which was, in my opinion, the most dangerous street in Atlantic City. There was VAC, Virginia Avenue Courts. And in essence, everybody seemed to be fighting for a little piece of turf. You know, they were all banging it out for this little piece of turf. Who controlled what? The women that would date the Maryland Avenue gang people would not date the Virginia Avenue gang members, and there were crossovers. And I guess it was like kind of like Bloods and Crips, but it was little wasn't that sophisticated Atlantic City back then in the nineties. And there was one kid. He was a Latin king. And he's no longer with us. May he rest in peace. But he was a Latin king because his father was sort of a Latin king. And his grandfather was sort of a Latin king. When I say sort of, guys, what I'm saying by that is that this was generational gang warfare. They became members of this organization because it was learned behavior, and they were scared not to be. And I'll tell you, sometimes the fear of getting killed by a rival gang member is less terrifying than the fear of not being part of what your learned behavior is. It's brutal sometimes. And this kid was different. May he rest in peace. Him and I 
we had a little bit of a bond. But it was a bond behind closed doors. And what I mean by that... You were a Latin king in the early 90s in Atlantic City. You weren't hanging with one of the few white kids in the neighborhood. In fact, being one of the few white kids made you a target to such enterprises. But there was a time when him and I, behind closed doors, could throw a baseball and talk about life. And are we ever going to get out of here? And it was kind of sad, because he knew his destiny was either going to be the graveyard or the New Jersey Department of Corrections. And I knew my destiny was either going to be the graveyard or escape through academics somehow. You know, where I come from, I will say easily 50 to 6% of people I grew up with in the inner city are dead. And if we incorporate prison, I'd say 50 to 70% are either dead or in prison. And um, I'm an outlier, and I thank Aunt Mary and Mom for that. But I connected with people who you normally wouldn't connect with. An OG gangbanger who's in her 40s and has made it will call me up sometimes, and I'll see that 69 number come up, and we will chat about Atlantic City, and they'll ask me for legal advice, and we'll talk about the Eagles, and we could have that moment, but we really can't be friends because we are in such different parts of the world. But I haven't forgotten where I came from, but I also use where I came from as a motivator to be working at 8.30 on Saturday night. There's a reason I push the way I push. Let's be real, guys. I don't have to be here on the weekend. And if I'm not here on the weekend, it's not going to hurt us financially. People are still going to call me for cases. But I look at this profession as my escape from the horrors of Atlantic City. So I feel I have to go 110 miles an hour on every case. And if I don't, I don't deserve to be here. That's my view on things. I never put it on cruise control, and a lot of it is because of the horrors of Atlantic City. This one kid, this third generation Latin Kings, or whatever the version was of the Latin Kings before then, this third generation of Hispanic gangbanger and I are friends. We're friends behind closed doors when nobody's looking. And one night, I'm at the Alki. And in the Alki, in the back, was a parking lot. Right next to Formica's Bakery. And we had a parking lot. And in that parking lot late at night, things got rough. The Alki itself was a very safe place. It was known as an Italian social club. But the area around the Alki, and the parking lot of the Alki, could be a very dangerous area. And I'm walking back there one night, and I'm a kid, and I'm going back to punch the bag and lift, and I see my behind-closed-door friend, and he's bleeding on the ground. And I pick him up, I bring him into the gym, and, you know, get him a soda, put some ice on him. I said, hey, what happened? Now, 
my initial thought process is he got into a gang fight or a drug deal that went wrong or something. This is where my mind went with things. So I said, hey, you don't have to tell me about it, but I see his look on his face, and he's stressed out. I'm kind of helping him back to normalcy. But, um, you know, he wants to get something off his chest, and I could feel it. So here I am, I'm a kid. And we're in the gym. I got my do-rag on, and I'm hitting the bag and blasting the music while he's just laying there, healing. And I gotta punch the bag, because that's my mental health therapy at the time, but I'm also listening to my friend, who's not supposed to be my friend. And here we are. We're kids. We've got the whole world in front of us. Whatever that means, we don't know yet. We had an idea what our destinies were, unfortunately, unfortunately, but we're sitting there. And he says to me, B, I'm going to tell you something I never told anybody else. Okay. I'm listening. I lower the music, take off my do-rag, wipe the sweat off my brows, and we're sitting down in the little gym at the Alki. We're having a heart-to-heart. And I asked him, what's up? And he revealed to me something that in the ghetto of Atlantic City was something that was a no-no. He told me he was homosexual. And he told me how he got beat up because he was hooking up with a guy in the parking lot and after he hooked up with him, the guy and him got into a fight because the guy, well, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. And I mean, obviously they both were, but you couldn't do that in Atlantic City. And I'm kind of stunned, because back then, being homosexual in AC, that was like non-existent. I mean, it was there, but we didn't know about it. And my initial thought was, wow, this poor bastard. I mean, I don't think how lucky some of us get that we are. Being a heterosexual male not having an identity crisis, being what society says we should be, makes life so much easier. But here's this poor kid. Third generation, Hispanic gangbanger. From day one, Destiny was to be shit. And he finds the same sex attractive. And I'm the first person that he's really told about this who he wasn't involved in a relationship with. And he's crying his eyes out, saying, nobody can know about this. I don't know what to do. You know, and my advice to him, and what the hell do I know? I'm a kid, right? I said to him, you know, you're a smart guy. Maybe Atlantic City is not the answer. Maybe you go to community college, get a job at the mall, Get the hell away from here. But I think you gotta be who you are. You gotta embrace who you are. And I can't think of a much greater punishment than trying to not disclose your identity to the real world. It's gotta be rough. And I guess with me, I disclose who the hell I am way too often. I guess there's a happy medium somewhere, but... 
one of the toughest kids I know is crying his eyes out at four o'clock in the morning in the Alki gym. And what really hurt him more than the beating was that the person that beat him up, the person he had feelings for, the other kid who he never told me whose name it was, I had my suspicions, but he thought he had a connection. He thought he was connected to this other person who went through the same struggles and strifes that he went through. And after that person got what they wanted out of him, it was beatdown time. Because you couldn't be yourself. And that stuck with me. And he ended up dying a few years later in stupid gang violence. And I thought to myself, when I read his obituary, I guess it was more than a few years later, I think I was in law school like the first or second year, so maybe this was like 10 years after the fact. I don't have the timeline exact. But I thought to myself, did he ever get to be free? Did he ever get to be himself? And it made me come back to the Warriors. This quest to make it back home. Sometimes home is not where the heart is. And as I've gotten older, I've realized there's a lot of Atlantic City that exists in me. But there's also a lot of Atlantic City that I would not allow to exist in me. And I'm very happy about that. And I think that statement really speaks volumes about who I am and my views on life, but it's hard to escape peer pressure. It's hard to escape drama. But at the end of the day, if you can't really like who you see in the mirror and you can't be you, what's the point of this whole crazy game of life? So, to my deceased friend, I hope you're up in heaven. I hope you realize that you were a proud of the environment and you were really a good person. And, um, I miss you, man. And to those watching out there, to the friends, to the enemies, to the people that will watch this on replay, the people that will talk shit, the people that will praise me, you can't say I'm not real. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. We're going to discuss roommates from the past. Um, wow. Live audience put some really interesting stuff in there. Anyway. One of the mistakes I made in life is that roommates. You know, some roommates were good people, hard workers, some were not. And today we're going to talk about some unique situations. We will change names. We're going to do it by geography. Like if you're from New York, we're just going to say this person was New York. 
<laughs> Leave it at that. It's better, right? I mean, take those defamation suits now. <laughs> so, towards the end of my time in Jersey, I um actually had a roommate. He used to bartend with me. He was a real, real alcohol, he had a real alcohol problem. I mean, this guy was just a miserable person. And um, Bob McDevitt was the president of the union back home. He still is, actually. It's hard to believe. I never, how somebody so dumb and unattractive could maintain that job? It's, man, it's really interesting. But this guy was a huge McDevitt supporter. And he used to always go to these union meetings and he was drunk as hell. He had his Johnny Black, and he would steal Johnny Walker Black from work. And, like, in the apartment, there was all these Tropicana cups and stuff. Like, he basically lived off Tropicana. Then he would go to these union meetings with this hat. This hat looked like it went through a couple wars. Like, he always had this dingy hat on. You wondered if a shower was involved. He was late with the rent all the time. Used to talk a lot of shit about me going to law school. Very interesting guy. Um, that should have been enough for me to realize the roommate thing does not work. But, like most things in life, I never learned the first time. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's how you do a stand-away motion. <laughs> and then it gets really good. But the first time's always a little rough. And that brings me to one of my law school roommates. Let's just call this person Virginia. That's where they're from. So, this guy never paid for a meal in his life. And then it got weird because we were different sizes, but yet he was always taking my clothes. Very strange. He was the ultimate mooch. Remember, Norman Felly said this guy was going to be the future of criminal law. If he meant maybe getting charged, maybe he was on something. But it was really, kids at home, don't buy into the LSAT. Because this guy was Cooley's finest. Had a great LSAT. Had a um, high GPA. Oh, God. He eventually went off to the military. And as weird as it is, this particular individual... He literally became my roommate a second time after law school. How's it even hard? And you had to realize at some point there was something wrong with him. I'll tell you a story. It's really not funny. It's kind of tragic, but um, I'm going to have stomach surgery. It's my third year of law school. And my mom is back home in Jersey, and she's close to passing away. And I had to make medical decisions. So they kept calling me. Yes, you could do this. Yes, you could do this. But now I'm going in for the surgery. I'm going to be out for a couple hours, right? So I give Mr. Virginia my cell phone. And I said, hey, the doctor's call. Just tell them yes. Okay. So I get out of surgery. I go to my cell phone. I'm a little out of it. There's like 10 missed calls. Like, hey, what happened? The hospital keeps calling. So I'm calling in a panic. Hey, do this, do that. And he said, well, I got really into this movie that was on the hospital here. I didn't want to answer your phone. Like, you had one job. Answer the phone and say yes. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Now, 
The third person we're going to mention, we're just going to call her Callie. California. Here, piece of advice I would give on this one. If you break up with a woman, it's probably not best that you maintain living quarters with her. Just a little. Kids at home, you know. If you break up, you probably should go your separate ways. There's hotels, there's different apartments. So this girl, beautiful girl, she was at Cooley with us. And she fails out. And she decided, I'm staying here. I'm not going back to Cali. We learned later that um, she really came to law school for her husband. I got to tell you, at Cooley, I think one out of 500 of us made it. If you came to Cooley looking for a husband, you were fishing off the wrong dock. Let's just start with that. But that's what her goal was. And I wasn't going to marry her because I realized like two weeks after she had a law school, this one was crazy. But yet she's here for another term. I don't know what to do. So we break up. We're going to maintain our friendship. She pitches this to me. She goes, you know what? Listen, I'm going to stay at your apartment. You're going to see other people. I'm going to see other people. We're going to be very mature about this. But we're going to be maintaining our friendship. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Makes sense. Understood. So one night she calls me, and this is before, it's like 2006, like texting wasn't really, but I get a text, it's a 911 from her, and I spoke about missed calls. Now, in law school, dude, I was so into just studying, right? Studying my ass off all the time. And I called her, hey, what's up? Bianca's sick. You need to get home. Now, Bianca was my cat. Like, oh my God. What's wrong? I don't know. You need to get here now. Drive home. It's like a rainstorm and landing. I'm driving home. I'm flying through red lights and stuff. I get into the house. I see her petting Bianca on the couch. The cat looks fine. Like, what's wrong with him? Oh, I don't know. You said Bianca was sick. Well, I wanted you to come home. Okay. Things got really weird when she started seeing other guys. Um, I encourage her to see other people. In fact, I was hoping one of these people would, like, give her the key to the apartment. She'd be gone. That would have been awesome. But that didn't happen. So one night, I am at a bar. And I don't usually go to bars. I was with a few friends. And I'm the only sober one. And she's there. She's talking to this guy. This guy was pretty juiced up on steroids. He was like this big muscle moron. Um, and she points to me. And she goes, that was my ex right there. She tells me she's going to hook up with this guy tonight. And do this and do that. I'm like, okay, good for you. You know? She gets up. And there's this song, So Sad to Say, by the Mighty Mighty Ballstones. And she basically dedicates it to me. And she's drunk off her ass. And she's like screaming the song at me. Okay. No problem. I'm out of the bar. A couple weeks later, she brings this guy home. Now, this is a weird guy. Like, bodybuilder guy. Nothing against bodybuilders. Good for you guys. But he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. 
I figured at some point I'm going to fight this guy, right? And, I mean, I'm not looking forward to that. He's four times my size, but I'm going to give him a run for his money if it comes to that. He could have her. We're done. So one night, he comes up to the apartment. And, like, now this is a big guy. I can't stress this, but he's, like, carrying all this shit. And it's, like, very difficult for him. I said, hey, you okay? He goes, oh, I'm just getting the equipment in. Like, oh, excuse me? They were going to make a porn in the apartment. He was, like, bringing his cameras in to film him and her hooking up. And I told him, I said, dude, don't go near my cats. That's why I mean, it was like, these people were really weird. Eventually, they both left. And then there was the Portland girl. This chick was weird, man. I mean, so she also failed out of law school. I had, like, a type. Like, the type that would fail out of law school would end up living with me for a term after they failed out. She would, like, wear a raincoat everywhere. It's, like, nine degrees outside. Ah, oh, it's quite rain. The thing about her, which was really fascinating, was I really fell for her because she was such a nice person. She was nice. That's what I thought. Um, so she calls me one day and she goes, hey, I need you to know I'm in Chicago. Okay. And I'm with so-and-so, who is now her husband. She goes, and we just gave it the passion. Like, oh, wow. So you cheated on me? And she goes, yes, I can't lie to you. I cheated on you. Like, oh, I get it. No problem. Now, in my mind... I'm thinking, cool, I'm out, right? Never underestimate the value of a good escape. This was awesome. She cheated on me with this guy and hope they're happy. And um, she comes back like a week later. And I was going on a date with somebody else. And she's furious. She goes, what are you doing? Um, going out. Just because I cheat on you does not mean you could cheat on me. So... This guy, who also wore raincoats everywhere, oddly enough, They're like the raincoat couple, he approaches me, and he says he wants to fight for her. I'm like, dude, she's yours. Knock yourself out. This guy, this poor soul, he could not, he also found out of law school. They were connected on that issue, too, I'm sure. He couldn't fight his way of a wet paper bag. And, like, he hits me with all his might, and it, like, lays on my left shoulder and I push him gently and he tumbles over down the hall and we're not together anymore um the next one she was from New York I'm just gonna end on this one on that she did not belong in Lansing we'll move on that one's probably a Facebook live by themselves it will just they're gonna move on from the New York situation people put People figure out who New York is. and After me and New York broke up, um, I didn't really, I didn't like the idea of roommates, right? I mean, it was a crazy thing, all these roommates, but there's this guy, he emails me. First termer from New Jersey. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, well, you want to kick it on the rent, that's fine. I'll crash on the couch. You can have the bedroom. I don't care. At that point of the game, I mean, I'm in like my third year now and I'm on cruise control and I'm studying for the bar. I'm not home much anyway. 
just, you know, leave my cats the hell alone and you could do this, you could do that. Well, midterms come around. I gave him some outlines and stuff. I tried to help the kid out. He's a Jersey guy. Doesn't do well in midterms. And midterms at Cooley don't mean anything. I mean, they're, they were 10% of the grade first term. You could fail your midterms and kill the course. You could ace your midterms and fail the course. You know, it was like a preseason game. So he's in freakout mode. It's like, B, I did really bad on my midterms. What do I do? So, okay. Listen, don't stress it. Let me um, give you some guidance here. You know, I'm... I'm the third year, so I'm like, cool, right? I mean, that's what I'm supposed to be at this point. And uh, I tell him the key to success at Cooley is to kick ass on your multiple choice. That was sound advice. He got, like, violent with it. He's like, you son of a bitch. Don't you tell me how to do well in law school. Now, understand something. Him and I got physical. I ended up knocking him out. I did win that fight. I only won a few fights in my life, and two of them were mentioned today. One was Portland Girl's crazy new boyfriend, and then it was this poor soul. Um, with that being said, law school, if you're nuts to begin with, right? You're a little crazy, and you go to law school, it's going to like magnify stuff. If you're normal, it'll make you a little crazy. If you're a little crazy, it will make you really nuts. If you're really nuts, uh, just stay away. And I couldn't really gauge this kid. I guess it was a little weird, but when I told him he had to do multiple choice where after asking me for advice, he lost his shit. He's not a lawyer today. After that, a little time later, maybe six months to a year later, I met someone. She was local. Not a lawyer. And I said, oh, cool. I will date someone who's not a law student. Work. We were together for a long time. Um, first three months were cool. The next three years and nine months were not so much. And uh, I really fell in love with her dog. Her dog was amazing. This woman was nuts. Like, out of control. Cray cray. She would, like, scream at me. I pay all the bills around here. Like, no, I pay the bills. You mailed them. I mean, it's not really paying them, but she used to throw it in my face that she mailed it on her way to work. And it was, it was really bad, man. And then she told me the dog was dying. And it was just really weird stuff. This woman, remember one time I would go back to New Jersey for a trip and somehow she made sure my phone didn't work. She was is different i know you tune in sometimes i'm sorry if this hurts your feelings but you were psychotic i mean good god i mean this woman was nuts i mean blowing up the phone i had money stolen from me oh yes another bad idea kids never lend somebody money if you might break up with them so when i got the hell away from her my law school roommate, he was out of the military now. He showed up one day out of the blue. He goes, hey, I want to do this business with you, and I want to do this law firm with you, and I learned all these things in the military. I'm like, oh, great. 
So one night, things aren't going well with us. They're just not. And he punched a hole in the wall. And he hit me in the back with like this Game Boy or something. I'd take a baseball bat and smash him in the shoulder. It was really bad and violent. Um, there were guns in the house. He left suicide notes. He basically had a nervous breakdown. Um, I was smart enough to put him on the bank accounts with the business. That went well. He's not lawyering right now. Last roommate. And let me just say this. I have nothing against people that smoke pot. I never smoked pot. But if weed works for you, good. This individual needed weed. Need to smoke at least three, four times a day. Now, he was a lawyer. He couldn't function without weed. These have like these hydroponic things going all goddamn night. At this time, I'm living with him a couple days a week in Ann Arbor, and I'm going back to Lansing. And uh, he comes up to me one day. Now, funny thing about this guy is he never showered. He was against showering. You know Pigpen from Charlie Brown? With, like, the flies all around him? That was, like, this guy in a suit without a bath. He used to smoke all goddamn night. It was, like, uh... <clears throat> so he goes up to me one day. He goes, hey, our electric bill's going through the roof. You need to pay more money. And I'm like, huh, why? Because you're taking two showers a day. So it was my two showers a day that cost us this higher bill. It wasn't his pot experiments all night. Really interesting. Eventually, um, we had a party in the ways. He is not an employee of McManus Amadeo right now. When he left... He had all his text messages on our computer. And it was under a file that I thought was for a case. And I click on the file and there's all his text messages. And I'm confused what's going on at first. Let me tell you. You don't want to really find out somebody's psychosis. If you don't want to find out, don't go through their text messages. It was really a bad read. Um, so what do we take from this? Well, number one, you go to law school, don't get a roommate. I know about saving the cost, dude, it is a bad idea. I can tell you about other stories, like the guy that wouldn't sleep without the light on. The guy that kept stealing your tuna fish. I mean, it could go on and on and on, just weird people. With that being said, though, best advice I got right now. If you break up with a woman, do not continue to maintain quarters with her. If you're thinking about breaking up with somebody, don't lend them a large sum of money. Just because you were friends with somebody at one point in your life, do not put them on your business accounts. And it's probably better to live with someone who does shower. So, you know, the journey's been a weird one, guys. But um, that's my advice. I hope it was helpful. Uh, I'm happy to say none of these roommates... Or in my life today. They do social media stalking. Sometimes send drunken texts. 
that one kept sending. Okay, so the one thing I'll say about the New York person, she kept sending these videos from the band Tiny Moving Parts, like over and over and over again. I, I didn't get that. I like Tiny Moving Parts. There's this one song, Brevity. It's about cubs being left and the environment. And she sent it like 89 times one time. And finally said, okay, I'll bite. What's the point? And she said, I don't have to say to you. I'm like, okay. So, do I bring the crazy out of people or do crazy find me? They find me. Okay. All right, good, good. Good shit. I was worried there. Before I say anything else is going to offend people, I'm just going to sign off. Thanks for being here. Still out of pressure. All this good stuff. All right. Have a good day, guys. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.